show i don't know if you were doing it but every monday and every friday i wake up and before i go into the chaos of planet earth right now i read james howard kunstler's blog and website uh to see where we're headed where we're going and how i can find some humor in it thank you for joining me sir a pleasure to be with you the glamorous milky Oh, the glamorous. Well, like, like uh, you, uh, you're this, um, this amazing person that has been uh, watching this from uh, the front row for a very long time. The implosion that is the controlled demolition of the United States. So we are. Yeah, so a- now that now that you mention it, I did just publish a book of yeah, this is backwards oh, nice. uh, called Crazy Land. Uh, it's a collection of my a selection of my best blogs from 2017 on. Wow, and that's going to be get it at Amazon. Crazy oh, wow. land. So everyone go buy Crazy Land because nobody puts it out. He's like, but the, the thing I love about you is it's it's like it's like it's writing from a different time. There's so much wit in it and it's so smart and it's so funny, but it's serious at the same time. We don't have a lot of as as we're finding out from the Poison Ivy League, they aren't really they were not really making them like they used to. So uh, you're a good flashback to when actually creativity and craft matters. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, I want to I've got to uh, show you something else. I published a second book in December, as a matter of fact. And this is a little backwards. It's called Young Man Blues. And it's about growing up. That's me at 19 with a cigarette in my ear. And um, uh, it's about the difficulties of adolescence. And yeah. uh, I know I think that I had a hard time. I, I think it's a hard time probably for most human beings in one way or another. I agree. But. I think that the kids today are having a particularly hard time and, um, you know, they may benefit from reading it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's a lot of um, it's very it's very hard to watch. I think also you are from New York City. So you also were at that age in the you know, because a lot of what we're dealing with now really came out of the weather underground and the big 60 uprising and all that all those groups that then I guess became Poison Ivy League professors. And a a lot of what this is, is actually a long term game that is coming to fruition now. How how do you see that from when, you know, that that originally the anti-war people from when you were younger and there was protests and all that are now the pro-war people? The uh, anti-censorship people, anti-government people are now pro-censorship government. What happened here? (laughs) Well, um, I did witness the beginning of that in, uh, I went off to college in 1966. So I was in, I grew up in Manhattan and I, you know, I was a teenager there, but uh, things really started getting traction in the, you know, the uh, hippie revolution in 1966. And uh, so did the war in Vietnam, by the way. Right. And um, uh, when I went to college, uh, it was still pretty, you know, old school conventional university programming uh, and it was not particularly political and um especially at the at the SUNY college that I went to which was a really a fourth rate provincial school because I couldn't get into a decent college well you grew up uh, in Manhattan where you were a little busy it wasn't even that I I just I detested high school and I performed really poorly I had like a moron level SAT score and uh, I got real. I got really, really bad grades in in 
in uh, math and foreign languages, even though I got good grades and other things. You did too, yeah. (laughs) It's a pattern. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, I had nowhere to go in August of my uh, senior year of high school, after high school. And uh, I sent three letters out to three SUNY schools uh, because I did have a region scholarship. There's the one exam that I did well on. And I got two applications from from Oswego and New Paltz. And I got a dorm contract from Brockport State. Oh, wow. I I called them up. I said, you guys send me a dorm contract. What does that mean? And they said, oh, that's where you come when you live here. And I, I didn't tell them that I hadn't applied. But I just went up there. I signed the contract and, you know, registered. That's how I got into college. Wow. Never went to that college. But they took me and I got out of the war. And that was the big thing. But you ask, you know, what I've seen. I'm going to open the Overton window, uh, the window of permissible conversation to a very uncomfortable level. May even be uncomfortable for you. I doubt it. Okay. Try it. What I saw in the trans in this very slow growing kind of Marxian, Gramscian uh, takeover of the cultural institutions was this, that the chairmanship first, the chairmanships of the department started being taken over by women and a particular kind of woman, a kind of woman who was, you know, uh, uh, sexually uh, uh, disordered shall we say, and very unhappy. And this kind of female really kind of uh, multiplied through the whole university world for 40 years. And now you were kind of at the mercy. Uh, you know, it, I, I think yeah. there's a term for this called the uh, the democratic or, or the progressive longhouse community of women, you know, of, of vindictive, crazy, sadistic, women who want to punish everybody and and the punishment part of progressivism is the part that we is very poorly understood by the public because you know it, progressivism and its marxian components pretend to be about all kinds of really important issues like you know equality and equity and uh you know, the production of goods and, and, you know, all this Marxist stuff. But it's not really about that. It's about sadistically hounding your adversaries and or people you view to be your adversaries and punishing them. And it's all about punishment. So that that's what we're really seeing is, uh, you know, the the universities have become punishment schools. And and uh, that's why they're characteristic behavior is the Maoist struggle session. Right. And that that's where that is coming from. Sorry to say that about the ladies, but I, I think that the, it's been very, very unfortunate. I'll tell you why. Here's the reason. And um, I don't know if you'll appreciate this either, Mel, but the difference between men and women in conflict generally right. is that, you know, men generally fight fair and women generally are dirty fighters. So every fight that's occurred over ideology in the last 40 years and increasingly in the last 10 years in the Democratic Party has been basically dirty fighting by the women who are controlling these institutions. 
Yeah. And when you talk about that, I've done, I've done shows in the past. Certainly they were taken off of YouTube before I got kicked off fully, but um, I've done shows in the past about um, the CIA and Gloria Steinem and the actual uh, funding of the original uh, feminine uh, revolution and, and all that happened then. And really this created this kind of warrior. Don't mess with me. I'm a liberal progressive woman and hear me roar, which did a lot of damage to my generation for sure. And, and a lot of generations. But the one thing that I noticed along the way, especially for my 18 years I spent in Hollywood was that I find, and I've always found that powerful women that are the kind that you are describing that have, you know, probably gone through the poison Ivy league or one, a similar place. They they've, you know, or they went to one of the private, uh, that level, uh, women's colleges, which bred them out too. Um, oh. and like you said, they are very, the people, when I was in my early twenties, the women that were running Hollywood at the time are the exact women you're talking about. And they were some of the meanest, most abusive, cruelest people. And so when the whole thing was going on with the me too movement and then with the Kavanaugh case, and it was like, believe all women, I was like, I have seen women huh. do evil, evil stuff. And then you look at like Max, Ghislaine Maxwell, and I'm like, she's one of many. Like, I, I mean, the idea that they have that they have created that like of the of the woman being also that the whole the whole lie about that the pay grade between men and women is so uh, off center. Uh, my first job ever, the the company, huge, huge, huge ad agency, big one of the biggest in the world. The CEO was a woman. And guess what? So were the two other CEOs. And that was in the early 90s. So, you know, this has been perpetuated on and on to the point that now if you are a black uh, liberal woman, uh, especially if you're a lesbian too, you are a superior being. I mean, they have created some kind of idea and and it's not based on reality or facts or anything. And and I think you're absolutely right for what I've seen happen in business and everywhere else. It's this idea of this certain type of women. They hate me. They always have. And at the end of the day, they they think that they truly believe that they are superior to everyone else. And then they are treated that way by the people around them. And then they are also the ones like uh, DeAngelis who wrote the, you know, that wrote the, uh, the white fragility book and people, she's a perfect example. There were a bunch of them in, in Hollywood that run Hollywood and people don't know that. And many of them are also, you know, in the LGBTQ plus community as well, or they are sometimes, uh, but whatever the case may be, this is an actual real thing that we should be talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, there it is. And, uh, it, you know, it's it, we should be talking about it, but it's almost impossible to talk about it because, uh, you know, it, half the country will be insulted by it. So there it is. But well, I think you know, we should it, all it, be equally insulted by everything that is that is insulting <laughs> to everyone. Let's just all yeah. let's just have equity in, in feeling insulted. <laughs> well, the let's talk about the latest insult, which really kind of blew my mind yesterday. Uh, Ray Epps. The the let's yeah. go in the Capitol, let's go in the building, insurrectionist yeah. got a six month suspended sentence and a what a five hundred dollar fine, you know that doesn't even pay for one hour of legal advice in America, right? Right. Anyway, uh, and what was amazing to discover later on was that the judge uh, who um, decided the case who sentenced him was James Bosberg, the very guy who back in 2017 was the head of the FISA court 
and uh, allowed all of that FBI FISA fuckery to go on. And uh, and then uh, the, what do you know? The case of Kevin Kleinsmith comes before Judge Boesberg and Kevin Kleinsmith gets off, you know, for falsifying one of those FISA documents that said that, uh, you know, what's his name? Carter uh, Page was yeah. uh, that uh, uh, concealed the fact that he had been a CIA asset and actually changed an email uh, that was issued, you know, in, in evidence. Yeah. He, he got no jail time. He got in kind of some kind of situation where, you know, his I don't think his law license was suspended. No, he got and it back. Yeah, I he's, remember. He's back practicing law. Yeah. So, you know, who is this James Bosberg character, too? Uh, well, I'll tell you who he is. He's the head of the D.C. District Federal Court. But uh, how is he getting away with all this? How are anyway, they all getting away with it? This is the even scarier part. The entire federal bench in D.C., is yeah. totally politicized and it's so obvious. And also the Southern District of New York. I mean, well, are sure. you kidding me? I mean, but that's the problem. We have a situation where there's no oversight and no uh, will to look at the judges, look at the prosecutors. Well, here's something I don't understand because do you know that each of the Supreme Court judges has uh, an assigned district yes. that they're supposed to have some kind of authority over? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what their regulatory authority is, but it's something. And uh, John Roberts has some kind of authority over the D.C. District Court. And you wonder, like, what's his role in this? And does he have a role in this? Is, is Can he do anything about this? And if, if so, why wouldn't he? And why doesn't he? Right. Because he's not. Yeah. Uh, I think that's anyway, really important. The Ray, you know, I'll leave it to people in maybe who uh, correspond with you who are in law school or practice law, who who might be able to answer that question because uh, I just I can't find out exactly what his duties are vis-a-vis, -vis, you know, the D.C. District Court. And by the way, I think Sotomayor or Kagan uh, is in charge of the Southern District of New York. One of them. Well, yeah, uh, I remember. I remember. Maybe, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think Kagan actually might, might be in charge of the New England th district because she was uh, the uh, director of Harvard Law School, the dean of the Harvard Law School for a while. But uh, anyway, um, uh, I forgot where we were. No, oh, but you're saying about Bosberg. Yeah. Bosberg and J Ray Epps. So this Ray Epps thing is like a giant, you know, yeah. giving the middle finger to America. Yeah. Just saying, look, we everybody knows what this guy was doing. Yep. And we don't care what you think. We're going to let him off the hook. And what's more, you'll never be able to go back in and prosecute him because now we've created a double jeopardy situation where, you know, in, in Anglo-American law, you can't get tried for the same thing twice. Right. So he's totally off the hook now. And it's basically fuck you to America. And I think... I got to think that there are going to be a lot of people who are really upset about that. I mean, all those J6 prisoners who did like two years of hard time before they even got a trial date. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. in that disgusting D.C. jail, yeah. in solitary confinement. Man. Uh, and they have a lot of relatives. 
Their blood has got to be boiling today. It's just such an insult to to everybody in this country and anything that this country ever stood for. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that the uh, Constitution is is somewhat suspended right now when it comes to the Department of Justice and any law and order in this nation, because we also have found out multiple things about, um, you know, Fannie Willis in uh, in yeah. Georgia's boyfriend, who she whom she hired to be a special prosecutor that has no experience in federal RICO cases or anything else that she's also paid about a million dollars and gone on a couple vacations with, who also went met with the DOJ of the Biden White House right before they hired uh, Jack Smith. The, yeah. the entire timeline is so disturbing. And again, this is another situation where the American people see what's going on. And these people that have captured our nation and are running our country do not care that we see it. Yeah, it is really titanically amazing. And uh, I, I'm not sure what we're going to do about it. It seems to me that Fannie Willis's case against Trump in Fulton County, Georgia, has got to be thrown out of court now. You yeah. know, she uh, is personally so conflicted in bringing this case in the first place. Right. And, and that's apart from the demerits of the case itself, which is a preposterous case. Right. You know, like yeah. you're not allowed to express an opinion about whether an election was fair uh, you right. know, since when you right, didn't exactly. have an opinion about that that's some kind of an insurrection so we are really turning into some kind of weird stalinist state and uh you know i i, I don't like to i always try to try to avoid being uh sucked into conspiracy theories but these are not conspiracy theories they're conspiracy realities right and uh, you can't um, avoid thinking that we're being subject to really some kind of a coup d'etat. Yeah. And and a psychological operation on the level of Yuri Bezmenov warning us about that in the 80s. Uh, if you look at some of these, this 40, this list of 45 uh, communist tactics and, and how to turn a country, uh, it looks like we're, we're pretty much there at that point of the normalization phase where everyone's looking around. Like, And I believe that this is there's no left and right Republican and Democrat. And I think probably 15 percent left of center, 15 percent right of center don't relate to anything that's going on they don't we we're in a system that we have to pick a team but the truth of the matter is most people that i know right now don't even recognize america let alone their party that they're supposed to be on and and you know i have a friend that's been calling it americans in name only i knows we, we got <laughs> we got instead of rhinos we got just a whole you know a, a, a whole class in dc that seemed to be uh really post-America or living as if bringing up, you know, one of the not conspiracy conspiracy theories. Um, we have a meeting coming up on the 15th to the 19th in Davos, Switzerland. I'm doing a live um, daily show with a woman uh, that's awesome, Norbin Laden, who is there on the ground. Oh, yeah, sure. And she has been sending me stuff. So for, uh, 15th to the 19th, every day we're doing a live from Davos on my show. And um, so she uh, sent me this morning that uh, one of the main topics that they're going to be focusing on is what to do about America. And yeah. if people don't understand that this is a, a long game and that they're part of a, a, a group. It's not just them, World Health Organization. They're all on the same page. They like this agenda 2030. That's where they're going. And don't stop them or tell them no is, is what I get from those people. 
But what does bother me is that um, that's that's their main that's their first event. The people that are participating from the United States in this globalist, it, they want global governance. They they even on their website it says nation states no longer work. That we've gone from a poly crisis to a perma crisis, and that by transferring all of our wealth and resources and capital and just going along with the climate agenda, that the people in Davos that are meeting this week will will save the world for all of us apparently, according to them. But the people that are going are. Um, Sullivan, Blinken, Newland, Samantha Power, um, we got uh, Avril Haines, Chris Ray. Uh, so, so my question is obviously Carrie and Gore have to go to keep the climate grift going. So my question is, what exactly are they going to meet with people that believe that the nation state is over and global governance? And uh, of course, Larry Fink is on the board, and I'm sure he'll welcome them with open arms. What possibly could those most important people in our government be going to Davos to discuss America's future for? Oh, I hope you're enjoying the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They they align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote, and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the Constitution, and our children's future. So please go to themelkshow.com. Patriot Mobile is a partner of ours. Please use the code MELK. What I can tell you too is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the First Amendment. They believe that censorship is wrong and they are going to put their money where their mouth is. Do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what I'm doing. Please go to Patriot Mobile, Mel K Show. All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me, and Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile, and we hope you do too. Thank you so much. Maybe to set themselves up for a charge of sedition and treason, because because that it's beginning to look like they're working against the interests of their own country, and. You know, just as a, as a practical matter, I got to say a few things. First of all, I think that the Davos crowd is actually on the run, despite the fact that they that uh, you know they they're giving the impression that uh, they're simply becoming more powerful. I don't think that's true. I think they're on the run. I'm getting a buzz that uh, Europe is going to explode, and that it's going to explode possibly before any thing happens in the United States to provoke a similar explosion. But I think that Germany is really on the edge. I don't think they can take it anymore. And, and you know, the latest thing, of course, is that they want to outlaw the new a ADF, uh, a me, AFD party, the alternative for Deutschland oh, really? in, in English. Yeah, they're making a lot of noises like they're gonna outlaw this party because this party is gaining in strength. This party uh, is against uh, almost all the policies of uh, the European Union, right. and and uh, 
it's beginning to pose a real danger to them. But I don't think they're going to allow themselves to be canceled or erased. You know, they are going to yeah. still be there and they're just going to be even more pissed off. So I think Germany may be the first to go. The Netherlands are in a peculiar situation because they elected um, Gert Wilders uh, without a, a large enough majority to really run a government himself. Under Dutch law, he's compelled to form a coalition, and the other parties there have pledged to not allow themselves to be part of a coalition. So they're going to be in a strange sort of par paralysis of government, and it remains to be seen how they're going to run anything. Yeah. Um, uh, France, we don't know about yet. Uh, I've heard noises that they're trying to also cancel Marine Le Pen, yeah. which I don't think is going to be popular. So that suggests to me a lot of desperation on the part of the, you know, the WEF Davos crew. Right. Well, that would make sense to me since they're a big topic. Their most important topic on their I, I went through their whole agenda. Their most important topic is misinformation and disinformation and regaining <laughs> trust that has been destroyed because of misinformation and disinformation about them and their international banking cartel criminals. And, and the truth of the matter is they can keep going. I agree with you a hundred percent. Also That's hilarious, by the yeah, way, it's true. You, know, you know, we're going to force you to be, to trust us. Yeah. Right? That's what like, it that's says. Really on the gonna work. That's really going to work. Right. Yeah. You better trust us or else. I know. And a, and a video you know, what kind of psychology is that? I don't know. And a video came out this morning of Klaus Schwab and you and I've laughed in the past about the central casting aspect of him yeah. saying that um, there's a there's a trend towards libertarianism, people that don't want to work within the system. And and I'm like, oh, there's a trend. Yeah, it's there. And the yeah. system is your system. And that's got nothing to do with libertarianism. It's got to do with uh, wanting to be free and not have a bunch of uh oligarch billionaire a-holes uh, telling the whole world how to live while they them and their 20,000 friends, you know, do what they got to do to make sure we don't notice in the meantime while they implement their plans. But you know what? I think a lot of people see it. And the good good thing, I'm, I'm glad you're saying that about the EU, because when I've done some research on this and I looked into a lot of the things that came before Agenda 2030, a lot of things that Kissinger and other people wrote back in the day and you know, even from the beginning of the UN, I believe that that European Union was the first in these like wards that they write about when they talk about global governance and the post nation state right on their own website. Um, it sounds like what they're talking about is it would be better for the world to be divided into sectors, kind of like like Hunger Games, and that these people with their te technocratic totalitarian algorithms would then control these. I mean, it's in their own writing and people can go look it up on weforum.org, put in global governance and read a couple of the passages there or any any of the, their affiliated groups, UNESCO or any of them. So to me, it seems like the European Union at this point, what I'm seeing is none of those nations are being respected as nation states at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a domino effect there. And I think that would be good for them because this idea of globalism that we've been sold by the United Nations, uh, along with the IMF, the World Bank and the BIS is imploding in real time. And only us walking into their solution changes it. So I, I agree with you. I think that it's impossible to maintain this kind of lockstep walk into Agenda 2030 when people are actually waking up to that that's not where we want to go. Well, you know, I think that it's fair to characterize this whole gang of uh, techno tyrants as cluster B personality disorder <laughs> victims. I you agree. Know? And they're really literally out of their fucking minds. 
Yeah. And, and they're so out of their minds that they don't understand how counter to the trends of reality their program really is. You know, wh where reality is taking us is in the completely opposite direction, not of global centralization, but of localization. You know, you can state categorically that anything that's organized at the gigantic level is now entering a state of failure. Yep. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, totally. a gigantic uh, international organization, right. large institutions, gigantic commercial retail companies, banking. Yeah. banking, anything that's gotten gigantic is is now in the process of entering failure, including uh, Davos. Yeah. And and including the empires that are run by the people who run Davos. So, right. uh, you know, if you really want to go in the direction that history is going, you run in the opposite direction from the WEF, which means, you know, get get serious about the community you live in. If you don't like the community you live in, for example, if it's some kind of suburban wasteland, you know, 11 miles outside of Denver, uh, where, you know, life is insane. Right. You know, then find a oh. locality, find a town that you like. That's an actually a town. Yeah. And um that's the direction that people uh, are going to find themselves going in. And um, it's, you know, Davos is really uh, uh, rowing against the current. Yeah, I agree. So, and, and, and that's one of the reasons that I'm not that pessimistic about where this is going. I, I do feel very insulted by the gestures that all of these cluster B people are making at me, you know, from the so people. Do I. In yeah, but I, I feel like I, everyone should not feel pessimistic. Right. I feel like everyone should feel absolute righteous indignation against these globalist billionaire oligarch a-holes coming into our country and deciding that they're, that America's done, because that is what is going on here. If they can get the America to fall, I, I see what I've read enough about it. I see I've done enough research. The whole goal is to have us destroy ourselves from within so that this empire, as they see us, is no longer in the way for what, 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 what they want. Because I don't believe they believe that unless America joins their Great Reset and all this BS, fourth and dust, they it can't pull it off with us functioning as 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 planned. So I believe all these people, these that have been involved in this, certainly since Obama signed on in 2015, have been working towards something and they never expected the people to wake up till it was too late. And I think they really overplayed their hand during the pandemic as well, is when I think most people started being like, wait, what is going on? How is this happening all over the world at one time in lockstep? They just made a lot of mistakes. And I also believe that that's because the Poison Ivy League, um, as they as they went, um, you know, full uh, woke and, and Marxist and everything, they dumbed down their students. We don't have, they don't have the Kissingers and the Brzezinski's to replace the Kissingers and Brzezinski's. So for me too, because the World Economic Forum was a, uh, was birthed again by the same people, Rockefeller and Kissinger out of Harvard, uh, Kennedy School with, with Klaus Schwab was, was brought in in 1971 and, and they played a long game and I believe they're losing too. Now something important that you know about um, is uh, you wrote a great book that I was given in in grad school years uh, called The Long Emergency. And I will tell you that um, you saw things very clearly a very long time ago uh, about many things, including the oil and gas and, and what's going on and energy. And the crazy part is that I just read 
uh, two days ago, which is very weird, and maybe you can explain it to me. As they're shutting down our, they shut down Keystone. They're they're making us totally, we don't like, are totally killing our oil and gas and energy. I just saw that the United States under Biden will be the biggest exporter of oil and gas to Europe. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? How can it be that that we are in this situation? But they're telling me that the Biden regime has pulled off being the biggest oil and gas exporter to Europe. What is happening? Well, it's it's not only that. Uh, uh, what's really happening is that um, American shale oil production uh, is peaking. And uh, we're producing, we're at the highest rate of production ever now. I mean, we are at peak production. We've, we've blew past the 1970 peak in 19 excuse me in 2019 i believe at 13 uh, just under 13 million barrels a day of production total shale oil and conventional oil um we were producing we, we were in real trouble about 2006 uh and 7 where uh we were only producing about 4.9 million barrels a day and using 20 million barrels a day. So we were importing at that time about 15 million barrels a day of oil. And that was a perilous situation. Right. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the oil markets went nuts in 2008. You know, the price of oil went up to $150 a barrel. Then after the financial wreck of 2009, the price of oil went down to, to, to $30 a barrel. And then it kind of stabilized, went back to 100. And it, it's been riding in the, you know, the 70 to 100 range, except for a few months at the beginning of COVID when it went totally crazy. Right. And those those numbers are kind of meaningless now. Right. But, by, but we started producing shale oil in earnest about 2009. Uh, and it was a uh, uh, it was a big program. You know, the, the three main areas were the Bakken region of South of, uh, well, of Dakota. I don't remember it was North or South. Uh, the uh, the Permian uh, range and the Eagle Ford uh, oil range, in, both in Texas. Um, the Bakken is now uh, pretty much going down. Eagle Ford is in decline. The Permian is still producing but uh you know as as art berman the uh oil analyst who's all over the the web uh as art berman says you know they're just really uh it's like they're drinking their malted milk through more than three straws and draining it even faster the thing is that there are you know there are only so many sweet spots in the shale oil region and especially in the last major producing region the permian so uh, we're now at 13 million barrels a day plus in production, of which about 9 million barrels a day is shale oil. Uh, the shale oil miracle happened because uh, interest rates went down so low that people in the investment community uh, couldn't get any income off of bonds. And so their investment counselors put them all in shale oil, which was supposed oh. to be this great investment. Right. And um, because they couldn't get any yield from conventional safe investments. And so shale oil was uh, deemed to be this new bonanza. Uh, the trouble was, is that uh, they couldn't make any money at it, the producers. And so uh, by about 2018-19, hundreds of shale oil companies and the servicing companies that that uh, 
you know, brought the sand and the water and the fracking fluids and all that stuff and the drill, the drill rig operators. Uh, a lot of those companies and the, the oil producers themselves started going bankrupt. So the whole uh, oil, shale oil thing, it, to some degree, was a product of the zero interest rate policy right. thing, which was total unreality. Because, you know, uh, in in real life management of money, you can't lend it out at no interest in any kind of reasonable scheme. Uh, uh, so shale oil succeeded largely because of the deformities of the banking system of the last 15 years. But now it's, it's shot its wad. Uh, they're having trouble getting more investment because people are noticing that they don't make enough money and they go bankrupt. Uh, the, you know, people are once again able to get more interest from bonds, even though it doesn't keep up with inflation. Um, and it's, but it's safer, supposedly. So the prospect now is that, you know, the, the, the curve of oil production is not symmetrical on both sides. You know, you get this uh, run up and then you kind of fall off a cliff. Right. And that's what's going to happen with the shale oil production. Right now, it's kind of booming. There are other problems associated with it, like the fact that the oil is extremely light, meaning it does not continue. You know, oil, crude oil has all these levels of distillates in it. Right. It has, you know, gasoline and propane at the top uh, and butane and kerosene and uh heating oil and asphalt at the bottom and um they all kind of you know they they distill them off at different rates and uh right. shale oil in america is extremely light it's mostly like gasoline it doesn't contain diesel uh, uh right. fractions and we need diesel desperately and we're not getting it from shale and the trucking industry can't run on anything but diesel so that's a huge problem yeah. we don't have the refining capacity we have to import heavier crude oil to refine to mix it with the extremely light shale oil to get a proper product out of it right so it's very very problematical and not only that it's sort of coming to an end so yeah. uh you know look for that over the next uh two years you know to, yeah they're touting to, it out there as a success for the biden well, administration and i'm sitting there thinking well how is that how does that help like us <laughs> it's doesn't. just total unreality you know the biden administration just uh lies and lies and lies about everything even the you know shale oil and the whole oil thing is the story is a complex story it's not obviously from what i've been saying in the last seven minutes it's not an easy story to tell right. and make it comprehensible to, to most intelligent people even. Yeah. but uh, Because but, it's not know. sensical, a lot of it. And also to shut down our pipelines, to, to drain our, our strategic reserves and all of that, yeah. and then to put out. But look at us. We're selling the most shale to Europe. I saw, I think it was even like one of their main papers and uh, that I don't, I don't try not to read, but I thought, God, that's weird that they're, that they're talking about this one kind of oil being a big success for them. I'm like, while the rest of, and then the whole climate, a carbon climate emergency people, you wonder like, well, what are they saying about that? The ESG score folk, you know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Well, everything they do is so fraught with contradiction that, you know, you, you just expect them to, you know, be in a total cloud of cognitive dissonance, thinking two thoughts, two completely 
oppositional thoughts at the same time because that's that's how they construct their worldview. And the whole thing is just, you know, it's a fantastic cavalcade of fuckery. And, and, and you know, and we're the ultimate uh, re recipients of it. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it takes a lot to keep your mind clear in this uh, uh, age we're living in. But it, it's almost, it, you know, it, it is absolutely supernaturally strange. Uh, it's hard to believe that people like John Kerry and and you know, Jake Sullivan and, and uh, you know, people at that level actually believe these things. Uh, and, and I don't know, I, it's hard for me to imagine what, what, where their interest lies in it. You know, John Kerry married the, the woman who is the heiress to the Heinz ketchup fortune. Right. He certainly, he, he doesn't need any money. He's not going to have any trouble buying more, you know, windsurfing boards. No. So, it's not you know, about money. It's kind of like there's a there's a section in uh, Orwell's 1984 where uh, the the Reich is explaining how they're so much better than uh, the Russians or the German Germans because they're just for power for power's sake alone, and they don't hide it and they don't deny it. And when they take it, they know they're never giving it back. And there's like a whole speech in there, and a whole you know paragraph in there explaining what um what the state is in 1984 and it's people should look it up it's very it's very scary because what they're basically saying is that you know the nazis and the and the russians communists did it wrong but this this new uh group at the state is doing it right and you know what it's just saying it's power for power's sake so these people yeah. are so wealthy what is the goal well one of the characteristics of woke progressivism that has not really received a lot of notice or attention is that it's largely a status hustle that, uh, you know, uh, to some degree, money doesn't matter to these people anymore because they've got so much, mo so much money that, you know, it, it's all really about your personal status and your your supposed uh, you know rectitude and moral standing and being a better human being than the next guy, and uh, you know that that's just a hustle that's just gone completely out of control and and but it it has invaded so many other areas of normal uh, ethical discourse that we we can't even figure out what's right, what's wrong, what's true and what's untrue anymore. And, you know, you've got a whole gang of people now who are saying that if they're not allowed to deceive us with misinformation, then, you know, that... They're uh, going to shut it all down, you know? You know gonna, then <laughs> we must be, we you know, we must be uh, uh, just terrible people who ought to be punished. That is so, what they're saying. You know, I yeah. just saw that they also um, they're instilling media literacy literacy uh, programs in schools all over the country through this uh, unconstitutional and uh, fraudulent Department of Education. And uh, they're they're sending them around and they are uh, tra training them through the Pointer Institute, which is funded by George Soros. Our government is paying for this. And um, they're going into schools, I know, already in New York and uh, in California, they're all all in there to teach uh, children from a very young age how to discern propaganda from real news. I, I mean, this is how crazy it's getting that. And and then, of course, well, actually, that would be a, that would be a good thing for them to learn. 
but, well, but they're, except they're, for their their sources are the AP, the the Washington yeah. Post, and the New York Times are are the reliable and NewsGuard. NewsGuard, I think, is involved. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so they're they're actually teaching the inverse. They're they're teaching yeah. them they're teaching them how to identify with propaganda yes. rather than real news or exactly. real information. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I don't a... see how that can possibly succeed in the long run. You know, uh, you know the basic uh, the bottom line is that uh, truth is sturdier than falsehood right it just is and soon you know it's like people who lie sooner or later they get caught you know, sooner or later they can't keep up with their own lies and that's clearly the case with the you know the progressive davos wef globalist whoever they are cabal you know uh uh yeah. they, they Anyway, yeah. The last thing I want to ask you, because a lot of people um, are talking about this. So uh, a lot of people are saying they don't they don't know what's coming for 2024, but people think that there will be a tremendous amount of chaos. And what I'm watching right now is a foreign policy that is not dealing in reality, because what is what it seems to me, and this is the globalist billionaire oligarchs, too, I believe, behind a lot of this. But we don't hear much talk about peace or negotiating peace, or avoiding a nuclear war, or any of that. And, you know, this goes back probably to the project for New American Century and kind of this militarized world before 9-11 that jumped into the war on terror. But I would think most people on planet Earth would prefer not to have a nuclear war. And I, I, yeah, and I'm just curious why it is... Um, why all these people running for office, all these people, they nobody's talking about because, again, they can't they don't have the ability to have now a front in Taiwan, which they're going to start the rhetoric about Taiwan any day coming. They don't have the ability to do that and they don't have enough soldiers. So they could or certainly could not fight another um, theater of war on planet Earth without a draft. And I would think that the American people at this point would say, you know what, whatever happened on January 6th, who cares? Let's let's all get together and say we're not gonna we're not gonna get behind this. We're not letting our kids go to war. I'm not hearing any of that. So uh are you hearing any anyone talking about peace or anti-war? I, I think people should start really paying attention to that, maybe. Uh I think you're right. And uh, but I agree with you. I'm I haven't heard people, you know, militating against uh against this. But I, I I agree with you that the American people aren't going to go along with it. They've had enough of it. Mel K here. Looks like X is going to be the front lines for the battle for 2024. So I am back on X. See me at the Mel K Show, at Mel K Show, at Mel K Show. And I will see you at X on the front lines as we march into 2024 and turn this country around. See you at Mel K Show. What's going on in Ukraine, of course, is extremely interesting because, as far as I'm concerned, that war is over. Right, me too. And and uh, you know, uh, Zelensky and and his regime doesn't have any capacity to continue this thing. Uh, what interests me, what fascinates me, is that uh, Vladimir Putin is in a very, very strange and interesting position. He's got to be very careful about how to put this thing to draw this thing to a close without um, making this cluster B personality, NATO, American leadership clack 
do something crazy. That's so what I'm I talking think, about. Yeah. And that's why I think you're not hearing that much about anything going on in Ukraine now, because partly, excuse me, partly because Ukraine's not capable of continuing the fight, and partly because I think Russia is trying very, very hard to wind this thing down as carefully as possible. You know, Ukraine, for them, is like a team of experts trying to defuse a giant bomb. Yeah. A very complicated bomb, including, you know, the the international diplomatic ramifications of it. Like, how are they going to um, prevent the United States from uh, um, getting NATO to go along with some further, you know, uh, fuckery against Russia? Yeah. And so they're being extremely careful. And uh, but I think that in the end, they just happen to be doing this more intelligently than our people are because our people are out of their minds and yeah, they're crazy I, and desperate. And they're not. The Russians yeah. are not crazy. And, and I also think that we can't deny what, you know, Eisenhower obviously warned about. Many other people did. We got a military industrial complex that is basically uh, funding our country right now. And uh, they are on the wrong side, in my opinion, because there's nothing we can do to stop the BRICS alliance. There's nothing we can do to stop the Belt and Road Initiative. We need to re-look at, re-examine our foreign policy and figure out how to cooperate. Because I don't think people on planet Earth believe that in 2024, innocent people should die anywhere on this planet for any reason, especially not over what appears to be back and forth propaganda. I mean, is is any of it true? We don't know, but I certainly don't think at this point in history that uh, killing innocent children on the battlefield solves anything. And uh, this is where I, I go back to the, I think the only person that Putin, first of all, Putin, G, Modi, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un and, and G just had a meeting about their friendship. You know, you got Venezuela, Iran, somebody needs to sit down and talk to these people. And I believe that these world leaders after Afghanistan and Ukraine and what they're watching now with the Taiwan and all over, I don't think they're willing to negotiate with the people that we have running uh, our, our military right now, especially Austin that went, went MIA for five days in the middle of five, five wars. But um, I just really think at this point, I do believe that these men would still meet with Donald Trump, uh, would still talk about uh, cooperation, global, not globalism, but global cooperation of nation states, you know, on a, on a, on in the future. But that's the thing. I'm just not seeing any of these lunatics talk about peace or peace negotiations, because the reality is that China and Russia uh, are aligned and the rest of the world knows that a war between America, the UK and NATO and China, Russia, North Korea and whoever else joins them is basically a big giant nuclear waste disaster. And and I, I just I think that people have to realize that if people aren't working towards a solution, then they don't have our interest at heart. And, and you know, you hear Nikki Haley. I'm like, oh, my God, what is wrong with her? What is she saying? But I just don't think that that's a path forward for reality. Or or us. Yeah, uh, looking kind of dark. Um, the Russians, you know, have a phrase. Uh, I don't speak Russian, but it's a it's a compound word that means negotiation unworthy, or not worthy of negotiation. They have one single word for it, and that's what we are to them. We're not right. worthy of being spoken to now because we're too fucking crazy. Because we and we and we Welsh on our agreements, right? Exactly, like the Minsky Accords. So, you know, they uh, are very, very cautious. I, I do think that there is 
and and always will be and is going to continue to be behind the scenes negotiations. I agree. But uh, uh, they're not, you know, they won't go public with them until they feel that they've got some uh, serious negotiating partners, which they don't have right now. It would be very unfortunate if they if we have to wait another, you know, uh, 10 months until uh, the next presidential election or more, actually, because we don't get a new president until 20, uh, January 2025. But uh uh, and it might not be Mr. Trump. I, I, you know, I'm uh, I'm hearing a lot of chatter that, uh, you know, in one way or another, the election is going to be such a fiasco yeah. that it may be invalidated. And we may we may see all kinds of weird machinations trying to, you know, uh, make up for it, set it right, make it a do over, you know, uh, uncancel it. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. Um, I'd like to kind of see Bobby Kennedy wa- find a path through this dark forest of insanity, of national insanity, to be able to, uh, you know, be a serious contender. I tell uh, you, they're that- doing a very good job at because I was going to ask you about him because I know you you're aware of what's going on. I have not seen, and I I look at everything. I have not. They are suppressing him like I it's unbelievable. I, I don't see him anywhere, including on, you know, the free speech platform now known as X. Uh, the, I don't I what is going on? I, I don't see his him anywhere. I, I don't see his speeches. I don't where where we have to probably, I guess, go to his own website. But this seems very unfair. I love him being in the conversation. I think it's very mm-hmm. important that his voice is involved. And And then I saw they're not even. I mean, it looks like they're they're just trying to act like he do, he's not around, like he doesn't exist. Yeah, they they've done a really good job of suppressing him. I'm not sure that that. I think at this time, you know, that they're in some very serious organizational um, planning. Yeah. Especially, you know, I I've been a little bit involved here in New York State in the effort to get him on the ballot, which is very complicated, and and um, there's no doubt that Governor Hochul will throw up every obstacle she can to keep him off the ballot but you know uh we're we're organizing an effort to to do what needs to be done to collect the forty-five thousand signatures right to do that yeah well and i just all- want to hear the conversation i feel like we should have every person this is why yeah. you know regardless of how i i feel about trump i still do think that he has to answer to some things especially what really happened in his mind and behind the scenes during COVID. And I'd like to know some of how some of the people that were in his inner circle when he was in his first term uh, got there because that yeah. can't happen again. So there's much yeah. to say, but a conversation on the world stage between RFK Jr. and Trump and anyone else is is necessary and is valid and should be had. And to deprive us of that is yet again being proven to us that the people that are controlling the Globalist billionaire oligarchy, I call them, that have captured America, do not want us to have a choice, do not want us to have a voice. But the good news is that you do have a voice and you are uh, one of my favorite voices out there. So um, last words on where you think we're headed and then please tell everyone how to follow you. And I just want to say before that, um, you uh, bring me so much joy with your with your work because I laugh literally on Monday morning and Friday I make sure that I read your column before I start reading, before I get into the chaos that coming at us. Uh, it really does make me feel better. 
<laughs> oh, thank you. I just hope that readers don't blow coffee through their nose while they're you know so reading fun. my thing because my my blog comes out on Mondays and Fridays, uh, virtually always. It, I never miss it. No. Uh, it comes out by ten o'clock Eastern time, so those of you in the West Coast can get it, have it with your first cup of coffee. And um, you know, I've got these two books out. I've got uh, uh, Young Man Blues cool. about growing. And I've got Crazy Land, which is a collection of my blogs from oh, 2017, when so the uh, when the yeah. country started going out of their mind, when the country started going nuts. Yeah. And um, uh, you know, I do occasional podcasts, uh, one or two a month, and I'm I'm out there. So yeah. thanks. For, it's always a pleasure to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you, sir. You're my favorite, and I have to tell you, you uh, you've you've made me uh really have a little different perspective that I needed. I want people to remember that a lot of this is absurd and insane, and you can laugh at it, and it's worth laughing. I think these people, what they fear the most is us all laughing at them and and calling them what they are, which you do every week. And I'm very grateful for your work. And I'm so honored to have you on for real. Um, please, everyone, uh, James Howard Kunstler, he, uh, all his links are below. I highly recommend you subscribe and follow. You now are on Substack too, right? I am. I'm doing both my own platform on WordPress, right. my own website and yeah. Substack. Cool. Okay. So uh, and by the way, head over there. <laughs> Um, both of those are basically free. I mean, you you can you know you you can shoot me a donation on Patreon or on Substack, but it's not compulsory. You know, you can read it whether you pay or pay for it or not. Yeah, and it's it's great stuff, and uh, you keep me going. That's for sure. Thank you so much, sir. I'm I'm really grateful every time you take the time to come on. It's it's so much fun to me. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better being prepared for whatever's coming. Every day I hear something new. You, something's coming from the CDC. Something's coming from the FDA. The who's trying to take over our, our healthcare system. All this craziness. And what I know is that one man really changed my life, how I look at everything that's happening to me health-wise. And that was Dr. Zelenko. He was a good friend of mine, a good friend of the show. And he came up with the most amazing product. Z-Stack has been a game changer for us. We have not been sick since we've been on it. We take it regularly. If we feel like we're coming down with something, Thing will double up but he has all new products over at the website god rest his soul he did not leave us unprepared and that is very important for you to prepare so he's got z shield he's got a kid z stack which is awesome he's got z flu z detox he's got all kinds of things he always said to me your your immune system must be clean resilient and resistant this matters the most and what i can say on top of that is that he supported me he supported free speech he supported medical freedom he supported personal liberty and everything that I believe in, he believed in. He inspired me to be myself, to speak up, to speak out. And what matters is that you are feeling healthy, whole, clean, clear, focused, and that your immune system is protected from anything that comes our way. And Z-Stack is the best way to do that. Please stock up on Z-Stack. Go to themelkshow.com. Go to our partners page. Goes down to Z-Stack. That also supports the show. When you buy from our partners, these great people, especially Dr. Zelenko, who is dear to me, you are supporting the show and keeping us going. And I know that truth, freedom, and the First Amendment matter to you. They mattered to him. They mattered to me. So make sure you're always healthy. You're always out there. You're always standing up. Be brave. Courage is contagious. The 
narrative is falling apart, but as it does, there's so much of this fraudulent disinformation, misinformation, censorship coming from the globalists. And what we need to do is be focused on the facts, cut through everything, be discerning and get it first and foremost out there to everyone. It is important that you know what is going on. Censorship is getting nuts. You guys know it. There's accounts all over the place that are fake, that are not me. I know you guys send me emails and I really appreciate it. And you report it and it's on Telegram and Instagram and Twitter and they're not me. So I'm super excited to announce We The People with Mel K. Be the first to join. It's a VIP community, just you and me behind a paywall, no trolls, no nothing. We get to know each other. I will give you the facts first. I break a lot of stories a long time before other people. We can talk about past, present, future, history, what we're doing now, solutions for going forward, what 2024 is gonna look like. I'm gonna do breaking news, do a lot of deep dives. I'm gonna bring that information to you guys first in a live Q&A every week. So please click the link below and join me over there. We are going to create a community, a community that is censorship proof, it's cancel proof, it's truth, it's transparency, it's on the road to God, country, justice, everything that we want in one place. This is the most incredible, amazing time to be alive. As hard as it seems and as difficult as the battle has been for you guys and definitely for me, all I know is that we all are part of the solution. We are all involved and invested and you guys have the passion that I have. So let's join together on live Q and A's once a week with me, Mel Kay, we the people of the United States taking back this nation. This is so exciting guys. I've been dying to do this and we finally got the technology right. So please join me. Click the link below. Can't wait to get started.